0: Imagine growing up in gray and dreary communist East Germany, and suddenly the Berlin Wall's torn down, and you're free. Hi, I'm Rick Steves. Today, I've invited someone from the former East Germany to tell us about his experiences before and after the fall of communism, and to take us on a tour of his region today. The Baroque treasures of Dresden, the former stomping grounds of Martin Luther, the tragic and inspirational stories of the Berlin Wall. There's so much to experience today in Eastern Germany. Less than two decades after the fall of the Wall, a united Germany is helping spearhead the unification of Europe. But the eastern part of Germany retains its own identity and its own unique attractions. You're invited to join us at the Stammtisch, that's the table reserved for locals, as we get the inside scoop on travel in eastern Germany. Come along. It's Travel with Rick Steves. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines. With their new Advantage Award booking tool, it's easier than ever to book to over 800 Advantage Award destinations online at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly. I'm Rick Steves, and this is Travel with Rick Steves. Today, we're going to Eastern Germany. I say Eastern Germany because it's no longer East Germany. It's been united back into the fatherland, and uh, Germany is one country again, and uh, I've got with us a man who grew up in East Germany before the fall of the Iron Curtain when it was communist. Today, he's a tour guide, and he's spent some years living in the United States, and he's basically grown up in Germany, and we're going to find out what's going on in East Germany. Christoph Dressler, thanks for joining us. Very glad to be here. Thank you, Rick. So, Christoph, exactly where did you grow up in East Germany?
1: Um, right, about f- seven kilometers, roughly, from the former Bavarian border. So seven a-
0: kilometers, like four miles away from freedom, so to speak. Yes. And and how old were you in uh, what 1989? When
1: I was 15. So at you the time. were
0: old enough to know what was going on.
1: Very much so. Yes.
0: What was that like? Five miles away, you've got this wall. If you cross it, they shoot you.
1: Well. <laughs> That's true. I mean, not only was it like uh, five miles away, um, but you had a security fence, so th- it was, it was kind of like you taking your bike as a little kid down the road, and all of a sudden there's a there's a beam from soldiers, and you can't go further. And it's still about three kilometers to the r- actual wall, so you actually don't never see it really. Unless, of course, I snuck in and had a good look at it while stealing some strawberries right next to the wall
0: <laughs> yeah, now that's interesting because I used to sneak into places when I was twelve or thirteen, but I didn't have soldiers with guns <laughs> telling me to go away uh you You'd actually have some fun near the wall as kids
1: yeah, I wasn't allowed really technically, so and while we were doing so, of course, there were the enticing strawberry fields right next to, and we had a had a good chow out there.
0: Did you know anybody that actually escaped over the wall or under the wall?
1: No, but classmate of mine who was 16 at that time about roughly like maybe three months before just got caught. A friend of mine, he actually did um, go through, I think, it, I believe it was Hungary at the time, and... Because uh, that
0: was really the easy country. DDR, Eastern yeah. Germany, was quite strict, because oh, yeah, the I mean, Germans were more independent, right?
1: Yeah, it was very ironic. Uh, 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 these folks ended up right across the border, actually, like, another, you know, let's say, 20 miles down the road, at a little town um, after, I mean, the wall wasn't down yet, but they escaped through Hungary just just a few months before the actual event, and I thought I never, ever was going to see my best friend again, and... Uh, Months after the reunification, uh, not reunification, but after the wall came down, uh, even the wall down in Bavaria opened up and I ended up going crossing and seeing him again and we were
0: reunited. I think that kind of accelerated things, didn't it? During the very last months of the um, existence of the wall, the population was just hemorrhaging through Hungary. Yes, exactly. That's so. Hungary kind of said they oh, abandoned don't really everything. So Germans go to Hungary, and on. and even during the Cold War, and even during this period, uh, Hungary was considered the window on the West. People go down there for Western yeah. movies and magazines, or, or a little more freedom. Is that right?
1: It, yeah, absolutely. It was almost like going going. Well, I don't know because I wasn't really going there. But from what I what I heard from East Germans coming back to the Balaton or doing their vacation down there. Um, you know, they drank Coca
0: Cola, Pepsi, and uh, they drank Coca Cola. They may have even gone to McDonald's in Budapest. Yeah, maybe even that. So wow, I heard all that stuff, and uh, you know. All right, now fifteen years later, sixteen years later, it's sort of old news, isn't it? I think uh, most people are well beyond that. Us Americans are tuned into this because that was kind of our war. Uh, for for you, what now in Eastern Germany? Are times good? Is everybody happy that uh, Germany is united? What's going on that way?
1: There's the one that say. Um, everything has improved and there's the ones that say, uh, we had a better
0: time before the wall came down. Why so, would you have had a better time before the wall came down?
1: Well, a lot of things were subsidized, like, uh, everybody had a job. There was basically zero unemployment,
0: if you want, so, so. Zero had, unemployment before the wall came down. Yeah. When yeah. you were living in communist Eastern Germany. Yes. And Westerners would call that shared poverty. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I means three people to do one existing job? And, and now of one. in
1: retrospect, it actually does because we had uh, we had a well functioning barter system in my town. I would say you know where uh, you built we built our house in a, over the course of like say three four years, and we had uncles and uh, people coming in who had certain skills, and we kind of like you know had to organize other things like a case of beer and uh right. and some concrete or and we
0: just went on and Oh we, yeah, and if you had if you had friends coming over you knew how to get meat, you knew how to get sausage. Or oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We had our own slaughter slaughter festus so to speak. <laughs> so there was a little creativity in the economy. Oh, absolutely, the absolutely. Talk yes. a little bit about that. Christmas coming up, the kids want chocolate. I mean, how did how did you manage? What sort of uh, memories do you have?
1: Well, the the biggest memory is the the West German care package so to speak. So you you had uh people from the West uh, sending in Chocolate, or or even goods like jeans and things, uh, commodities like uh, certain shirts or uh, t-shirts and things like that, and they just came in, and you open, ripped open that West German package, and were hoping for the best to have coffee in there. Coffee was a that must very have been very good day. Oh man, yeah, and it smelled so good. You open one of those packages, real and, coffee, uh,
0: real coffee. I remember in the old days the terrible coffee you had in the East. <laughs> it was not coffee; it was distilled well, from something else. Exactly, and
1: and and that that kind of substitute for a coffee, all of a sudden, the West German package came and we had
0: Jacob's Café or something like that in the... Real stuff. Ooh, yeah, exactly. Now, this has been a huge financial undertaking for Germany to take in Eastern Germany and rebuild it again because... You know, your part of the country was basically stuck in the past with a a communist system that didn't work from an industry point of view, and it was terribly polluted. Germany, Western Germany was the size of the state of Oregon, I believe, with 60 million people, something like this. Mm -hmm. United Germany is about the size of Montana with, what, 80 million people? Uh, Roughly correct, yeah. 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 So you're adding a a lot of land and a lot of people who are much less affluent and less educated and don't quite fit in, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, Germany has all these Eastern brothers part of the system, traveling around, taking away jobs, uh, uh, disrupting a a system that worked really well in the West, jacking up taxes, jacking up deficits. How has it been now? Now, don't talk as a former Eastern Mm -hmm. German, talk as a new German, United German. Has this been a burden worthwhile for Germany as a whole to take on the East? For me, absolutely, absolutely. There's no
1: doubt about this. That we uh, this is a joint venture. Um, as much as we benefit in the east, uh, the west benefits as well. Often, these these are companies, these are construction uh, workers that actually are from the west, come over, have big projects, and create, of course, an uh, employment in in our region as well in, in in the east.
0: So you had all you had all these hammers and sickles and guys <laughs> with uh, industrial coats and so on, but here come the West German. Uh, yeah, they, Army Corps of Engineers, basically rebuilding your country.
1: It's it's not that the East Germans were a, a bunch of fools and didn't know how to swing the hammer and and you know no 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 we we had uh, quite some uh, education. We have great engineers um but of course the money comes from the west and and that is tied to uh, some construction companies or some uh, people that are that are dealing from out of the west so many managers came and implemented uh the new system in on whatever level we're talking about construction now but uh the managers from the west often came to the east and basically showed the east Germans the ropes and the the common worker was still the east German and now is there a different work ethic um i think so yeah i mean how would, how would, how would the
0: work ethic be different now
1: it's you have to you have to uh, make ends meet. So in
0: other words, uh, you are on your own in terms of making money. Okay, and, so there's a reality, a, a, oh, an economic reality. In the yeah. old days, uh, the government would give you the money, and if whether or not your uh, cogs were uh, connecting as you tried to produce things, you'd get the money.
1: There was a liability, uh, uh, or there was a uh, you know you had. You had to be a good worker in order to make any money in, in Germany, of course, in East Germany as well. And and overall, we all did a pretty good job. But yes, in a way, now everything was much more accountable. Yes,
0: Accountability, yes. I see. It's, Accountability. it's got to work right. Also, I remember in the old days, the pollution was horrible. You crossed the border, and all of a sudden, um, you blow your nose and your hanky's black. And it didn't happen in the West, but it happened in East Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, have they tackled the pollution problems? Uh,
1: very much so, yeah. I mean, there's the Elbe River, who was quite polluted, um, already coming through uh, uh, the Czech Republic up uh, north. Um, I heard of other river projects, especially the rivers. I mean, there's a huge improvement. I mean, pretty much in every river in Germany, including the Rhine, uh, which wasn't recommended a few years ago, mm-hmm. you can take a bath in it now. So they've taken their uh, environmental problems quite seriously. Abs- absolutely. And I think uh, one of the most polluted one was the Elba, as much as I know. And that one is, has been completely cleaned up. There's fish now in the Elba that you know hasn't been recorded for many, many, many
0: years and things like that. And uh, acid rain uh, messing up the forests—is that still a problem?
1: Still a problem. And, and and the region of the Erzgebirge was, as much as I understand, the the most affected one. It was right in the in the brown coal and and black coal region between Germany and uh, uh, the Czech Republic. Um, I remember as a kid having some winter sports events down there in that region and 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 seeing the the devastation, the the, the acid rain, the the, the trees. And mm. I think uh, all of this has been tremendously uh, been worked out, especially in the, now that the uh, Czech Republic is part of the EU and uh, um,
0: they have to her- have certain guidelines as well. So EU has established certain Europe-wide guidelines that Absolutely, people are yeah. required to conform with. And this is a beautiful thing. The, the green politics in Germany is quite popular. It's amazing from an American point of view to think that green politicians, we have a few mm-hmm. odd candidates in the Green Party, but in Germany, that's a, a real player, isn't it? A real player. They were part of the last government. Today, when you go through eastern Germany, does it feel like the west? Has the, have the roads come in? or the cities renovated? Is all the soot peeled off of the buildings? Or does it still feel like a time warp? Some, It's kind of traveling from certain regions to regions. So in, in the region where I
1: live, um, there's, for instance, a major, major um, um, Autobahn stretch being built right right through our state now. I come from former Thuringia, and we'll talk about this later, I guess. Um, but you look around, and uh, my, one of my former economy professors told me, "Show me the, a country's construction site, and I tell you how wealthy they do." And mm. uh, and and I look around, and in ours, and in our streets, our roads are really nice. You can take road bikes. There's no potholes. Uh, all this has been r- tremendously changed. And however, there's certain region. Let's say, go to Mecklenburg-Vorpommern. And there are certain roads up there that still were built
0: by you know the Third Reich. So you know, I noticed that in the 1990s, right after reunification, before the towns really showed the difference, the roads were there. It seems like Germany realized you need good roads. Absolutely, the roads were beautiful. That was the first thing I think Germany built when they wanted to lace the countries together. Hitler knew that he invented the autobahn. Can't take over yeah. Europe without having a good road system. residents of today's Germany are making history as they continue to build one of the world's economic powerhouses. There's lots to see, both new and old, in the eastern part of Germany. We'll talk about Berlin and Dresden and hear how the residents of the former communist countries are fitting into the bigger picture of the European Union. And we'll take your calls. More with Christoph and Eastern Germany, coming up as we continue on Travel with Rick Steves. 877-333-RICK or radio at ricksteves.com You can also participate in our message boards in the graffiti wall section of our website. Hundreds of other travelers post their comments on dozens of travel topics right there. We're all in the same traveler's school of hard knocks and This is where we compare notes. You don't need to register. Just go to ricksteves.com and you can be part of Travel with Rick Steves. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines, with 4,000 flights to 250 cities in some 40 countries around the world every day. It's easy to book your next flight at AA.com. American Airlines knows why you fly. I'm Rick Steves. We're looking at the changes in Germany over the past two decades and the attractions you'll find today in Eastern Germany with tour guide Christoph Dressler. Today, in Europe, there's a big stress among workers in the West because laborers from the East, newly joined Europe, like the Polar, there's, what, 30 Mm -hmm. million Poles or something, uh, are invading, and they're willing to work... um, if not harder, at least cheaper, and there's almost a uh, an icon of that. It's the Polish plumber, and uh, the French people are, are, are nervous of the Polish plumber coming in and, and doing the plumbing work cheaper than the yeah. French plumbers. Yeah. Uh, in Germany, how are the East workers uh, seen among the Westerners?
1: I think this is, uh, has been, uh, of course, over the last 10, 15 years, uh, a problem, too, especially the, mm. the, the border regions um, across the West. I mean, um, in west germany uh, a small well-to-do town all of a sudden had access to a, a vast amount of uh, workers willing to work for probably cheaper yeah. um, coming coming from former you know thuringia or brandenburg or, or wherever so you you do have that and 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 i tell you in my hometown I, as close as i live to the wall almost every of uh, the former former a you know, german wall um, almost everybody that I know kind of works across the border. It's just very, That's very, where the very many people. Is. So you would commute exactly.
0: into the more fluent parts. Absolutely, you commute. I remember a lot of hotel friends of mine in the Rhineland or in Bavaria had East Germans that they would invite to come and work, and it was sort of their patriotic duty to employ an East German, and it caused them huge problems because these Easterners didn't know how to do the service industry. They they didn't know how to put the customer first, and and it was just very very difficult for them.
1: Yeah, you have you have you have a good point there. The uh, the service industry was that's exactly what was lacking in Germany. The, the the fundamental understanding you keep a person happy that person comes back. That is something we did have basically, Maybe that was even
0: bad, you keep a person happy, they come back, you got to work
1: more. In a In a <laughs> weird way, I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that some people were thinking just primarily like that, but um, it definitely was you, you had to meet and greet a person with a smile, even with, if it was a complaining customer, and just, that's something in East Germany. Hello, you don't complain, you got
0: something from us. You know <laughs> yeah, <right>. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the first, the first answer was almost always yet.
2: Yeah, that, yeah was, and that, that was just yeah. the
0: joke among travelers, you know. This is Madame Nguyen. You want to do something Nguyen. And then, you know, after you hit her a couple of times, yeah. she'd go, well, okay, but, but don't ask again, or something like this. And obviously that doesn't work in the Western world. Yeah, that's funny. We've got a few callers on the line, and uh, I'm t- I'm talking with Christoph Dressler, who's a tour guide friend of mine who was uh, born and raised in eastern Germany, and today he, in his lifetime, has experienced huge changes as Germany has united and the east has been subsidized in a Herculean way, I think, from the west, and uh, faster than any other part of Europe, I think, eastern Germany has been bumped up to the standards of the west.
1: Uh, uh, I don't know if you know much about our cultural background, but we are a little bit of complainers. So um, we we have done a lot, and if you look at Germany and you hear those voices, ah, oh, those East Germans or the Westerners go, ah, oh, those West Germans don't understand us. By the way, we're called Ossies and Wessies. Right. It's it's those voices that uh, don't do anything justice in in what we actually accomplished. If you look around in Germany, I mean, we're still a well-to-do country. If you you know, there's poverty all over this planet, and we're doing so well, but but yet there's a lot of reason for complaining. I didn't know
0: that. So Germans consider themselves complainers?
1: That's what I consider Germans. Yeah. The, so it's
0: Aussies way. and Wessies, because you hear Aussies <laughs> complaining about Wessies yeah. and Wessies complaining about Aussies. Oh, there's,
1: there's, yeah, and you go to your Stammtisch at night and you, you need to have something to talk about. What's a know? Stammtisch? Stammtisch is the tribal table in the bars. The you tribal
0: need... table, so that's like the regulars, where the exactly. regulars go. I love that. When I go into a bar or, or a, uh, any kind of a pub in, in Germany, you see one special table and it's got a little flag on it and it says Stammtisch. And yeah. just, it's I reserved them, for the think, locals. If you ever get in Invited to this domtisch, it's quite a nice thing. Yeah, and you often do as a, as an American. Hey, let's talk to our calls. We've got Marsha on the line in Marysville, Washington. Marcia, hello.
2: Hi, Rick. How are you?
0: Great. Thanks for calling.
2: You're welcome. My husband and I were in uh, uh, in Dresden, actually, in uh, a few places in both West and Eastern Germany. We took the trains a lot of places, and on the train going through smaller towns, towns that don't have some sort of tourist appeal like Dresden or Berlin or whatever. It didn't look like the prosperity that you're describing has spread everywhere, and I wondered if you could uh, address this.
1: Absolutely. Hi, Marsha. Thanks for calling. Yes, absolutely. You are actually traveling in a part, um, former Saxony. You leave the bigger towns where obviously a lot of uh, affluity is, is back. But yes, it is very apparent in these small Uh, Mountain towns that here's a house like totally in ruin and there's a house really nicely. And you can pretty much tell by sometimes looking at the houses and how much work has been done, how well the people are doing, obviously. So so, maybe the, the economic target has been
0: bigger towns? Uh, in Very much so, of course, yeah. So I mean, the bigger towns have enjoyed the quickest lift and the uh, rural communities and so on are going to sort of get this trickle-down, perhaps. Yeah, Yeah. but
1: it's uh, like everywhere on this planet, uh, uh, the cities are the draw. Uh, the small towns
0: is where the young people are leaving first. Marcia, did you go to Dresden?
2: Yes, we spent three wonderful days in Dresden, and I, I have to say to everyone who's listening to this broadcast, what a fabulous place. Um, you know, it was wonderful 200 years ago, and... Now it's, uh, it's being both rebuilt from the communist era as well as some of the bomb damage that occurred in, uh, at the end of the war.
0: You still have a lot of the communist infrastructure there, these huge, sprawling tenement flats for the uh, worker apartments. Right. And then you have this uh, wonderful Frauenkirch, the great church that mm. was really tragically, well, any church, any, anything that's bombed is tragic, but this was a particular great loss for the soul of Germany as that cathedral was uh, blasted to smithereens and just recently reopened. Did you visit the Frauenkirch?
2: Uh, yes we we were uh, among hundreds of people it had only been open for a few weeks or officially open in any case um, they process as as germans do they're quite efficient processing people in and out of places and we went in and and walked around and it's it, it's a glorious interior of course most of the places that you visit in europe are uh, hundreds or thousands of years old and they they sometimes show the wear and tear but this is a, a brand new interior mm brand new paint, um, lots of pastels, which was a popular color scheme in the Baroque period. And this is a Baroque interior church and lots of gilt statues, a glorious space to to, to be in, just to see the, the craftsmanship, but also spiritually, it's it's very uplifting just to sit for a few moments and look around you and look at all the other people who are just as enthralled as you are.
0: And to think about the devastation of war and yeah. what a dramatic and inspirational undertaking this was for the whole community of, yeah. of the world. I mean, Dresden was wasn't Dresden Cathedral rebuilt by lots of de- donations uh, from yeah. international?
1: Yeah, it's really one of those projects. Again, it's it's it reaches across Europe and in across the world. I mean, right. there's donations coming in from
0: the U.S. in in many folds. I visited uh, year after year with a hard hat on as they would take tourists in to proudly show off the the rebuilding. Mm-hmm. And now, Marcia, you've seen the uh, Dresden Cathedral finished.
2: Oh, it's, it's just fabulous. And it's sort of the, the keystone, as it were, of uh, the center of the city that has so many beautiful mm-hmm. um, museums and other historic places that, that are just within a few yards away. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful place to visit. And um, I wanted to mention one of the stories about the church that I thought was particularly m- moving was um, the goldsmith who, who built the cross for the top of the church is a British man, and his father was one of the pilots who flew on one of the bombing raids that destroyed Dresden during the war. That's correct. So it's kind of an, a nice full-circle story. Wow,
0: that is a full-circle. Yeah. Inspirational, uh, moving uh, experiences when you travel, especially in eastern, uh, former eastern Germany. Marcia, thank you so much for your call. Thank you, Rick. Thanks, Marcia. We have Prudence on the line in Minneapolis. Uh, Prudence, thanks for your call.
3: Uh, guten Tag.
0: Guten Tag. <laughs> guten Tag. Wie geht's? Sehr gut. Wie geht's Ihnen?
3: Gut, sehr gut.
0: Sehr
1: gut.
3: Not so much a question, but a comment. Mm-hmm. The It is so easy to to travel in in this area that rail service is one line to to go through these Culturally rich towns of Eisenach, Weimar, Leipzig, and Dresden—it's incredible. I'd love to have people give it a try. It's incredibly yeah. rich.
0: You know, that's a good comment, uh, Prudence. And I know I'm as guilty as the next American of being focused on Bavaria. I've been thinking about this because you know I'm a tour guide and a guidebook writer, and and I'm dealing with what the American public really wants to see. And I think Germany was, well, I know Germany was divided by the four allies, France, Britain, Russia, and the United States after the war. And I, I think it's more than a coincidence that Americans are most interested in going to the area we occupied. We had a lot of our uncles and fathers and grandfathers there um, in in Bavaria. Is that right, Christoph? The American sector was basically Bavaria?
1: Yeah, that's exactly how it was. But liberated, this is kind of funny because uh, liberated um we were um parts of saxony um um thuringia completely brandenburg uh, many parts of former east germany was actually liberated by americans and I, I remember my i mean my grandmother remembers those days and and tells me every day about uh, the events uh, what happened the americans came the americans left the russians came in um but this is all you know i want to thank you for actually uh, traveling towns like weimar and and smaller things but all of them are little jewelry boxes and 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 thank you for going to these classical german towns and and they're a little bit almost forgotten because you know they 're not on a mainstream tourist list to go to, and thank you very much for for going there
0: well it's particularly appreciated from a uh, local economy point of view, but it 's a good idea from an American travel point of view too because you 're going to places where you 'll be welcomed enthusiastically and you 'll find places that are just not so commercial. We had Marcia talking about Dresden, and I would say that's the the greatest big city outside of Berlin to see in Eastern. Eastern Germany, would you say, if you're going to see one great city? Dresden is a must. Dresden is a must. And then Prudence is talking about the Reformation sites, and there's a Mm -hmm. lot of great Martin Luther sites, and many of these towns are called Lutherstads, right? Luther cities.
1: Yeah, many claim him. Yeah, many (laughs) many have his name, and... uh, um, um, some you know it's 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 kind of confused where he really is from. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I,
0: I had a fascinating experience working with my church. I happen to be Lutheran, and they asked me to make videos for them. So we made a Luther video for the ELCA, and uh, we've got the script of that. Um, uh, show on our website if anybody is curious at ricksteves.com and they could download that and they could check out uh, just pretty much laced together all of these fascinating towns and Prudence was talking about several of them on the same train line that goes to Dresden but uh, if you're at all interested in Reformation history it's it's pretty exciting to check out the castle where Martin Luther was, was uh, exiled himself and translated the Bible and so on.
1: And and he saw the devil up there and threw the ink and you see the ink hole, which is now basically a hole in the wall because everybody chiseled away on it over the last That's how right. many years? Martin Luther had his
0: struggles. Yeah, Prudence. Any other memories from your travels through Saxony?
3: Yes, it is. It, it's very simple to get a German flexi pass and get on the uh, train from Frankfurt. And, and these, these these towns are all, I would say, cities are all on the same line. You just get on and off with and. Um, very reasonable to find a pension because the economy is just a little bit depressed because of the unemployment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were in, there in the fall and could uh, uh, just book a, a room as we arrived and going to the TI and had no problem. Yeah, it's loaded with German tourists. They, n- yeah. so many of them have never you know, perhaps they're in their 50s and 60s, have never seen these sites. Hmm. And so you're not going to see a lot of Americans and Japanese. It's it's quite refreshing, really.
1: It really is. And as as the economy overall has slowed down in Germany over the years, um, many Germans, uh, that's correct, Prudence, many Germans have remembered that they actually can visit within Germany. They can have a vacation in Germany and they go back to these sites. And especially you have a full day event uh, on TV now on the Frauenkirche that has drawn, uh, even within Germany, a hmm. lot of attention. I can see how uh, how the Germans are uh, more and more coming back. And it's it's also those old, old Germans that uh, never were able to leave, like from the former East that remember this especially quickly and go back to sites that they've been um, going for for many years. And um, it's, it's, it's vacation wonderland. I mean, you talk about uh, forests and you talk about nature. It's, it's Saxony, Thuringia, this lower part of East Germany and the, and the rest of, of former East Germany and the rest of Germany in general is full with it. And, and as you said, it's really nice getting around. It's really easy to find pensions, And I think it's very affordable
0: if you compare it to other destinations on this planet. Prudence from Minneapolis, Prudence von yes. Minneapolis. Thank you very much for your call. Thank you. Okay, happy travels. I want to talk to Frederica in Brenham, Texas. Frederica, hello. How are you?
4: I'm fine. How are you?
0: Great. Thanks for your call. What is your comments or questions?
4: I was in Germany, beginning in Frankfurt, going up, um, Bielefeld, up all the way to Hamburg, Bremerhaven, and, and then making a circle and. Um, spent about a week in Potsdam with friends, um, it was not my first trip, but, um, of course, every time I go, I see something that I haven't seen before. The thing I, one of the things that I, I was most moved about was the new Holocaust Memorial in Berlin. Um, this is a, an extremely moving and controversial memorial.
0: I think it's it yeah, and it is. Uh, I was just there on like the opening uh, times of it, and wow, it is. You know, it's called the memorial. I believe it's called the memorial to the murdered Jews, or something like this. It's it's definitely for. The Jewish victims of the Holocaust. Right. right. And uh, in that regard, it's a little controversial because there were other victims yeah. as well. Yeah. And it takes up a huge part of prime real estate right there next to Brandenburg Gate behind the U.S. Embassy.
4: Mm-hmm. Right, where the new embassy is going in, and, and supposedly right at the, at the side of, of the bunker.
0: Now did you go underground into the exhibition center?
4: No, it wasn't open.
0: Yeah, it wasn't open for me yet either, so that's okay. coming up. Have you been same to for visit? me? No, <laughs> no, no, no. Exactly the same. But the outdoor is as a striking and moving memorial and you know there's so much happening in Berlin right now. I I consider Berlin one of the most exciting destinations in all of Europe right now. Oh, me too. truly,
4: truly. Yeah. It yeah. was wonderful and and um we we're, were blessed with fantastic weather and that always helps. Yeah. But um the the memorial was really a, a and I know there's some controversy about the the, the coating that is being that was used yeah. on the stones, but I made it a point of walking among some of the really big stones and it's it's almost a frightening experience to be in there well, you just almost have the feeling of you're, you were trapped and how the you yeah. know the, how the, um, the victims must have felt
0: you know all yeah. over Europe you have these uh, Holocaust memorials, and the architects are brilliant and they're modern architects and they oh, really yes. are chosen for a good reason. And you mentioned the the coating on the stone that would be uh, graffiti proof, or, or right. easy to clean off the graffiti, because they've got these neo Nazis, and right. if you have a, a mo- monument to the Holocaust, there's crackpots that don't think the Holocaust happened, and they're just going to paint swastikas on it or something like this. Well,
1: yeah, or in general, many you know graffiti. This is just a, such a such a site where you know you can dive in at night basically and just uh, do some damage. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say uh, just neo-Nazis, but anybody. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think this coding was uh, developed uh, anti-graffiti type of uh, d- things. And for the listeners who uh, don't know um, what this is about, um, they were um, getting the, uh, the chemical, the specific chemical from a company that was one of the g- uh, key players in uh, um, using um, workers from termination camps or work camps at that point called... And uh, it's, it's it's just a company whose history is involved with, so that with company, the Holocaust. That and, company
0: is involved in gassing of uh, inmates in concentration camps. Y-
1: yes. They were actually – I think they were a producer of the
0: Cyclone B. What, right. what is it called? And how yeah. does that relate to the monument today? They're providing it's, the – It's the same, it's the same company. It's essentially the same company. It's yes. providing the um, graffiti-proof exactly. swastika, rub-it-off-quickly exactly. kind of uh, – exactly. okay. And I would, you know, stones.
1: I would use it uh, uh, as a as a come around too on history, um, how how you can do things wrong, and then now maybe helping out, you know. Right. But uh, it was very controversial. Um, the Germans did not want, uh, uh, and the the uh, um,
0: Jews could the, the, see that the Jewish a, community uh, did not thing.
1: want, yeah, did not want to have this uh, company to actually provide uh, this graffiti proof, proof uh, chemicals because it's a chemical company and they were involved uh, with a few things in the, in the Third Reich. Yeah. Frederica,
0: thank you for your comment. Thanks.
4: Oh, you're very welcome. Okay. Thank you.
0: Bye now.
3: And the fish has <laughs> teeth And he has teeth
5: And he has a face And my bag has a messer But the knife You can't
0: We'll continue with Christoph Dressler and your calls about Eastern Germany coming right up on Travel with Rick Steves. Christoph Dressler is our guest on today's Travel with Rick Steves, an insider's guide to the east of Germany. Our phone number, 877-333-7425. You know, a lot of Americans know the Black Forest, and we know Bavaria, we know the Rhineland, but eastern Germany, uh, we know Berlin, because that was a little island of the west in the east, but we hear these words, Saxony, and I don't know, about Prussia, Thuringia, yeah. or whatever it is. Uh, t- <laughs> tell, give me a little thumbnail about your part of Germany.
1: Well, there there is there is a, a five new Bundesländer, which is uh, five new states of uh, the reunified Germany, of which Saxony and Thuringia is the the southern part, uh, close to what many Americans know Bavaria and uh, the Czech Republic. And uh, the region is is very rural. So anybody who has been to Berlin, this is not uh, the complete uh, uh, picture. You have to leave Berlin. You have to maybe go north into the flatlands of Mecklenburg. Go to the go to the shoreline. Hmm. Um, very beautiful at the Ostsee. Um, this is the, the, Baltic, the sea. Baltic Sea. Yeah, there by across from Sweden. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, very very beautiful. I mean, fantastic islands. Uh, Yeah, you have the Harz region, which
0: is a mountainous region. The Harz Mountains. People love to go hiking in the Harz Mountains. Oh, absolutely. Now, also, um, when when we think of eastern Germany today, we're talking modern political borders, but 1850, there was like 30 independent countries in what we think of as Germany today. What were the historic countries that, that today would be in eastern Germany?
1: There is, uh, let's say, you, you have again. region, is, is one that many uh, scholars know is uh, uh, Prussia, of mm-hmm. course. I mean, instrumental in, in the making of what is now known as Germany.
0: If Germany has a sort of a militarism and a Sparta yeah. Yeah. kind of a soul, a goose-stepping and, and pointy helmets...
1: That, exactly. That's uh, the the pointy helmets. That's it. That's Prussia that's right Bismarck. there. That's Bismarck. That's Frederick the Great. Okay. And then you got the region that I'm and, and I'm heavily mentioning this so much because it's really unknown, but this is Germany. Um the people from the woods, the people from the backwoods, the Erzgebirge, mm. um the Thuringian Forest, the Harz uh, mountains. Um, th- this is what East Germany is, is of course as well. Now it's in the center of reunified Germany. It's a region that nobody really knows. Nobody isn't really this tries. where you had
0: the handicrafts, the the n- exactly. nut- nutcrackers and the these kind of wood? Exactly,
1: carb- Erzgebirge and nutcrackers, the toy industry. Uh, people were so poor they had to make a living in the winter when they couldn't farm, so they kind of. Got, got out there whittling knives and, and, and built toys, 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 and then they actually traveled by foot on these footpaths in those regions and distributed them during, during the, the winter and the, uh, during the summer, I'm sorry. And so, all,
0: all of these places are within a couple hours by train from Berlin.
1: Yes, yes. So uh, you can all of this reach like within two, three, maximum four hours maybe, yeah this is where the people were so poor they couldn't hang the real apples the real sugar candy you know the the things that uh, go traditionally in a christmas tree in germany so they actually had uh, some leftover glass from the glass production they were doing glass in the in the in the woods and in the in the mountains uh, uh, from the crystals and from the quartz and they made these hand blown things like an apple or or other things and hung them in their trees and this is how we now have all these glass ornaments huh. um because they were during this in, the, in in my region there down there and, and so the
0: the history of the Christmas tree at uh, the decorated Christmas tree is a little bit murky but most people yeah. think it started in Germany and originally the uh, images dancing in people little children's head at night on Christmas Eve were yeah. sugar plums and apples and candies so uh, the first really uh, inedible decorations were uh, coming out of your part of the absolutely of the, the first breakable ones yes the first, <laughs> and there's a fascinating Christmas uh, ornament museum in Rotenburg under Tauber most tourists go there yeah. it's quite nice upstairs in the Wolfart uh, Kathy Wolfart shop yeah. So when we're talking about Eastern Germany, if you wanted to give people the, the top three or four sites to put on their um, sightseeing list, what would you recommend, Christoph?
1: Definitely Dresden, definitely Berlin. This is this is must. But if it if it goes rural, um, I have the ice uh, in Eisenach, the Wartburg on the top of my
0: list. Um, the Wartburg being the castle that Martin Luther hid out in when he translated the Bible back uh, five hundred years exactly.
1: ago. Exactly, and and uh, probably the most. German of the German castles. I mean, the Walterf- Waldburg, yeah. The Wartburg, yeah. Right, it's the Wald, uh, mystery and, 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 you know, dark forest around it. And, and if you want to go into the woods and hike with the Germans and sing Waldari, uh, you, you go or, on the Rennsteig right there where it starts in Eisenach and it's a 100 miles long. It is a Wanderweg, which is... A Wanderweg, is, that's yeah, what you call yeah, them, yeah. The, it's, it's a... Wandering paths. Yeah, exactly. It's like a hiking trail, and it's it's long. They have marathons on it Does every that year.
0: The, is the Harz Mountains also good for this sort of thing? Oh, for one, yeah, the Harz is sort for of hiking. The, all German, Germans from all over Germany go there for the in, getting close to nature. I believe. I
1: think so. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the Harz is a must. Uh, if you have been climbing the Brocken, um, you're a true German. Kathy
0: in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Kathy, thank you for your call.
5: Well, hi Rick and hi Christoph.
0: Hi, Kathy. Hi.
5: Um, the Make a Wish Foundation is sending us to Germany. Um, to grant the wish of our 16-year-old son who has a brain tumor. And we are going to be there about a week, and we're also visiting Amsterdam, so we're kind of short on time. But we were wondering, what should we just absolutely not miss while we're in Germany or East Germany?
0: Wow. Do you so her son has a tumor. It, yeah. This is going to be his his great trip to Europe.
1: Yes. Uh, uh, where exactly do you stay again? in, in Nuremberg. East Nuremberg. And, and, and this is as, as far north as you come to the border?
5: Well, not necessarily. We're mm-hmm. still trying to work out um, exactly what we're going to do. We, we think we might fly into Amsterdam and then fly down to Nuremberg. And we have a very good friend who uh, lives in Germany now.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: And so he's going to kind of help us. You know, see things, and we wanted to do some things that were not very touristy, but experienced German culture and and the lifestyle. And we were just wondering if there was anything you could suggest that Uh, perhaps our
1: I would I would suggest my region in Thuringia. And um, Kathy, if you would wouldn't mind to leave your phone number. I would like to get back to you and 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 uh, brainstorm with you Good. together. Okay, um that. Would be great because there there is uh, a few ideas and 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 maybe uh, maybe uh, you know maybe I have uh, no tours at that time and have time and I'm at home and I would love to meet you and your son and and uh, be a little tour guide for you and in Southern Thuringia. Okay. Oh, that'd be
3: fantastic. So
1: my goodness, that is so cool because if you could meet.
0: Christoph, it's somebody who'd really like, anybody would want their son yeah. to meet. Yeah, and
1: none in my family yeah. speak English, so it will be a very truly um, German experience for your son. And so. um, That would
3: be fantastic.
0: So I think uh, Kathy will stay on the line. We'll get her phone number, and then
3: Kathy okay. Christoph
0: will give you a call.
3: Okay, great. Thank okay. you. Okay.
0: okay. Wonderful. That's great, Christoph. Thank
1: no, you. No, no problem. This is, this is great. It gives, me, <laughs> it gives me goosebumps. This is a way of paying back for all the good things that I receive from Americans.
0: Let's talk about that. How did you get exposed to the United States originally?
1: Oh, I was You're ex- a
0: thirteen-year-old German kid in some little village uh, in East Germany. <laughs> yeah. You know what? <laughs> okay, tell us about it.
1: Um, essentially, boils down to a scholarship that's out there, still out there. Um, it's their twenty-plus uh, year of of making this. It's the Congress Bundestag Youth Exchange Program, a program that sends uh, German exchange students to the U.S. and um, U.S. exchange students to Germany on fully paid scholarships. Um, I was the first East, uh, one of the first 100 East Germans uh, to make it for that scholarship. Um, My former teacher, Antje Zetzmann, has seen the ad in school and said, Christoph, this is something that you are nuts enough to do this. You're going going over there to the uh, the Amis and uh, 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 you show them a good time. So (laughs) I actually went. I was an exchange student in New Hampshire um, with the Emmons family and I still have great uh, connections to New Hampshire and... uh, I love them all dearly
0: there. Thanks to some government program that believed yes, it was yes. worth investing in kids to go to another country and study. It's a co-venture between the, the Congress
1: of the United States and the Bundestag,
0: which is the parliament of the Germans. And, you know, sadly, I've just heard recently that we're sending about 10... We've, we've dedicated about 10% of the money we used to for these kind of uh, exchange programs. So it's a political issue. It, and um, Very political, I'll, politically I'll tell you, you're, you're coming as a former... Co- raised in a former communist country... What a, how can you put a price on bringing people together this way?
1: Not at all. I mean, and I have ever since brought people together. I mean, uh, my little town has, has seen a few of my American friends and, and has learned and has traveled that
0: way too. Um, it is a re- reciprocal uh, process. You know, all of us at Europe Through the Back are so committed to the value of travel as a way to better understand the world, and I believe if we all had to travel before we could vote, uh, we'd vote in a way that was better for world peace and understanding. I, I, I'm convinced. <laughs> <laughs> I've been talking with Christoph Dressler. Thank you so Thanks. much for joining us. It's, I've learned a lot. I have to thank you for the chance of, of talking about,
1: you know, Thuringia, Saxony, uh, these places, because, yeah. I mean, they're not on the, on the, on the common travel right. map. Danke sehr. Sehr interessant. Vielen Dank. Ebenfalls. For the days dwindled down.
0: Seven seven three 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 333 rick That's our number. And it's even easier when you email us. Send us your questions or give us a brief report from your travels. Our address is radio at ricksteves.com. We've got a few more minutes today. Let's see who's on the phone. Tracy in Silverthorne, Colorado. Hi, Tracy. Hi. Thanks for your call.
5: Thank you. I was uh, just going to talk about um, when I spent some time in India. Uh Uh-huh. I was able to go in with a group um, for 21 days and we flew into Mumbai and absolute must-see there is Gandhi's house.
0: Now, Mumbai, Um, is that the new word for what? Bombay. Bombay. Okay, so we really need to get up to date on this, don't we? Bombay is Mumbai.
5: Well, I think Mumbai is the old. Okay, the old
0: is new again. Okay.
5: Right. and Mumbai, you should see Gandhi's house. Um, There's letters that... He wrote to, like, Hitler and things like that, enclosed in glass there, and his last possessions, which were very few, and you can purchase books there from him. And and then later we traveled down to Hyderabad, which there's all kind of great things to see there, like Charminar and good shopping, but I think the best thing about Hyderabad is the people, Mm -hmm. Um, some of the friendliest people you can imagine, and um, they just love to come up and talk with you. They want to hear English, and they want to um, tell you what they know of English, and so just some really friendly people there.
0: You know, I uh, found it, when I was in India, a very good way, or an easy way to meet people was to go to the zoo, because people are out to have a good time, and the families are there, and it's really easy to connect. Did you have an opportunity like that?
5: I did, actually. I was going to actually talk about that, that the uh, zoo was very interesting, and I was surprised that I wouldn't normally go to another country and see a zoo, but uh, they're open they they aren't penned in they have moats for their animals so it's very very natural and yeah people will come up and want to take pictures with you and their whole family because you're American it's very very friendly place but outside of hyderabad of course is uh, fort gokunda and that's just breathtaking they have like a concert at night where they talk about the history of the fort and they actually um Light up the fort during their program. Okay, so, so a
0: sound and light show.
5: Yeah, and that that was really that was just great. So, oh.
0: uh, Tracy, what about the poverty over there? Were you comfortable walking amidst people who were? Um, did you find desperate poverty?
5: Absolutely. I mean, there was right next to a beautiful tourist attraction is rubble and poverty, and we were suggested to, you know, bring candy or things like that, and someone in our group actually was not comfortable because you will be flocked, and they will follow you. Um, flocked
0: meaning kids all over you begging or something?
5: Um, and not just kids, but adults, and adults right. will come up with um, what looks like a sick child in their arms asking for money for a doctor.
0: How
4: did
5: you um, handle so, it? Well, you just um, continue on. You just uh, it, it's, part of, it's part of it there. I mean, if you're uncomfortable that, with that, then absolutely don't bring food to hand out, but if you are comfortable with that, um, there was that one person who was uncomfortable. We actually just hopped in a rickshaw and drove away because we had to get away from the group.
0: Would that be a bicycle rickshaw? Uh,
5: No, a a motor rickshaw, which is one of the funnest things of Hyderabad. (laughs) The traffic there is amazing. Uh, There's no real traffic laws except on um, holidays or like a political... Um, They're going on something like that, so no,
0: no traffic lights.
5: No, do no, they have men
0: at intersections trying to direct traffic?
5: No, there are occasionally um, policemen out there, but um, I really, remember
0: I remember them frantically trying to organize it, and they just
5: hadn't even occurred to them to have lights. Right. The major rule is like the pedestrian has the right of way. So, our first day there, we kind of entertained ourselves by walking across it. Well, the, el-
0: elephants have right of way too.
5: Right. 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 But uh, the rickshaws or cars or whatever, their job is to slow down and watch for you or go around you. And um, you can actually be going, if you're in a rickshaw, don't be surprised if you're going at oncoming traffic because there isn't isn't lanes or, you know, and you're sharing the road with buses full of people, people hanging off and men pedaling bicycles with things piled high on them or Oxen pulling carts and camels.
0: Describe a, a a motor rickshaw. Is that like a?
5: It's got like a lawnmower motor, and um, actually, if you get one that goes really fast, you might want to get the person's name and have them hmm. come pick you at their, pick you up at their hotel because you get a good one, and one that knows where they're going because they say they'll know hmm. English, and many do not. So it's good if you know where you're going. I would
0: imagine just joyriding on one of those was would be a fascinating trip
5: it It really is because you're going a lot faster than you think you are, and um you're down at eye level and it's a little it's a little thrilling actually uh-huh. so,
0: do they still so, have bicycle rickshaws?
5: I did not see any personally there were there were so many of the taxi cabs the the motor rickshaw was mostly used so
0: from a sightseeing point of view in india what was your what was the most impressive monument
5: um well, obviously the Taj Mahal um we took a train right up to the Taj Mahal and I recommend seeing it at many different times a day if you're able to, because the lighting just changes it, but uh, the Taj Mahal is square. Everything in it is exactly square, except for the tomb of the man who built it for his wife, because he actually was going to build an identical black Taj Mahal across the river, and he was actually bankrupting his country, and so they imprisoned him, and he was imprisoned where he could see the Taj Mahal. Then when he died, he was placed in the Taj Mahal next to his wife that he built it for. And so his tomb is the only not perfectly square thing in the Taj Mahal.
0: Wow. wow. So, He's sort of like the Indian Romeo, I think.
5: Right. Great right, monumental well,
0: to love. Shah Jahan, right?
5: Yes, yes. He had many wives, but he built it for his one wife who he truly loved, who had many children with him.
0: With all this and India all around you, Tracy, did you stay healthy? How did you manage that way?
5: You know, the first three days I tried to really throw myself into it and be a part of the culture and and eat the food, and I had uh, a really tough time, and um, after that yes, I, I really did. Um, obviously, the water was provided for us, but don't drink their water, or you will be very sick and miss uh, you know a good part of your trip, and that goes for ice also. Um, yeah, so
0: ice is just regular water that'll melt and, and give you the same problem as drinking right. tap water, huh?
5: I, I stuck to very plain things, rice and pasta and...
0: So that's um, the trick. That's what happened to me. Uh, the doctor said, man, if you've got persistent diarrhea, you're just going to eat rice, boiled yes. rice, plain rice, and I followed that religiously and...
5: We had beautiful fresh fruit all the time, and so I recommend that. But mango right. ice cream, I could eat mango ice cream every day and... I think we need that in the United States.
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Tracy, thanks for giving us some uh, fascinating little insights into India.
5: Yeah, thank you.
0: Okay, I want to go back to India. I love India. Happy travels, Tracy. Thanks again.
5: Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Travel with Rick Steves is produced at Europe Through the Back Door in Edmonds, Washington. There's more online in the radio section at ricksteves.com. That's where you can look up information on today's program and listen again to this and other editions of the program including a link to podcast versions of Travel with Rick Steves. You can also submit your questions and comments for Rick from our website to be included on future editions of the show and send us your submissions for our 15 Seconds of Fame department. Details are at ricksteves.com. Our theme music is composed by Jerry Frank. I'm your producer, Tim Tatten. Join us next time as we travel with Rick Steves. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines. With their new Advantage Award booking tool, it's easier than ever to book to over 800 Advantage Award destinations online at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly.